0: And you're on. It's movie time, and we're back again with movie time. Welcome to our Friday edition, otherwise known as VisionCon Part 2 and Film Fest Night. How are you all doing? Hopefully, everything is okay with you guys, and that you had a wonderful couple of days off, and you had a chance to see some of VisionCon Part 1 that's uh, up on there. So, tonight, we have uh, two out of our uh, three uh, co hosts uh, here with us tonight, and we have Kinte. Hey, Kinte, how you doing?
1: i'm pretty good i'm pretty good um um just you know uh having a a uh interesting day uh a lot of stuff happening but i'm happy to be here
0: and that's awesome and we also have with us olaf barbosa hey olaf how you doing
2: i am doing good it's like a busy day today it's like i just just made it in the nick of time to be on the show. <laughs> got home like five minutes ago, but uh, it's like busy day, but all good.
0: Excited okay, so to be here. Viola- so, how many traffic violations before you got here?
2: Oh, I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to worry about that. Uh, they, they, they uh, it's like I'm, I'm not worth the uh, time and trouble to write the tickets.
0: Cool. So you, so you didn't have to go all smoking the bandit on them.
2: Uh, no, they just, they look, it's like when they, it's like I come flying through and they go, ah, uh, it's like, nope, I ain't chasing him. <laughs> Not this time.
0: So, uh, on Wednesday we did our nice uh, VisionCon Part 1 episode and talked a little bit about uh, some of the cool things that happened at VisionCon, like some of the books that are becoming possibilities with authors, uh, from authors to things like video games and also possibly, you know, movies, uh, as well as also television series. Um, some of that information is also now uh, available on our Movie Time website, on the uh, on the YouTube page. So you can see some of those fabulous interviews. We also talked about the, uh, the Edge of Beyond and talked about how science fiction changed our lives. And it was really a motivating factor. Kinti, do you also have a story before we go on with that of how science fiction can change your life? Because they had a seminar there about that.
1: Um, you know, I'm real interested in hearing with you guys, uh, and then maybe, uh, it'll make me think of something like that, so go ahead.
0: Yep. Also tonight, we, uh, I had mention of the fact that we will be, uh, doing the clip with regards to the, uh, the group that are doing the gaming for charity, remember, Olaf? Yeah. As well as also, you'll get a couple of those clips as well as also... Um, One of the celebrity interviews. We had about five or six celebrity interviews which are now going up on the website as well from VisionCon. Um, people like uh, John Wesley Shuck was there. You know who he is, right?
2: Uh, tell, tell uh, yeah, yes, but uh, for those who don't, who who is he?
0: He is the original Flash and he is now the father on the new Flash series. He plays Boy. Barry Allen's father. On that. Also, Stephen Downs. Uh, we have an interview with him. And he is the guy who is Master, Ch- uh, who is the voice of Master Chief on Halo.
1: Yay!
0: Yep. Uh, also, we have um, Laura Tyler and RJ Hattie from Face Off. So if you love special effects and makeup. And we had Brian Muir, who was an absolutely awesome interview as well. You know the, the gentleman who actually did Darth Vader.
1: He, you mean he was in the... Uh... The costume.
0: No, no, he was the creator. Oh, he created okay. them.
1: Vader. Oh, okay. No, because that guy's dead.
0: That is <laughs> my bad. No, Brian Muir is no, dead. No, I'm and, saying. Darth uh, yeah, the guy Vader. who played Darth Vader. Yes, yes. Yeah. Unfortunately. <laughs> my bad. Yeah. Unfortunately, also found out that, uh, through him that Tony Dyson passed away. So.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I, you know, he. I, I. Um. Tony Dyson was a good dude. Yeah, he was. He's been on the show yeah.
0: several times. Yeah, good guy. Yeah, he will be well-loved and well-missed uh, by all of us. And also, we had their Keldar as well, who did some great costuming work. Oh, my God, you have to see. She made an entire dress look like a TARDIS. Oh, wow. Doctor Who. So, we have some great uh, footage of that. We have, uh, again, to add to there, we're going to also be showing the... Um, edge beyond the seminar the science fiction seminar as well as also we'll be showing a few other uh, ones dealing also with podcasting i learned about the zoom mic
1: yes i used to own a zoom
2: yeah one of the zoom, yeah, the zoom zoom recorders those are those are nice yep. <laughs> yeah
0: i like those. So i was like ooh new piece uh, new piece of information and uh, it's like, it, so you'll also be able to see the interview with uh, them. Um, there's quite a few things that will be going up now on the site, as well as also, there were some interesting cosplayers, as I mentioned. There was a Negan there.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, and a Daryl uh, also was there. For all of us who are uh, like the Walking Dead fan people. So, yeah, there'll be uh, pictures of that on the site as well. We had all kinds of... Like Master Chief from Halo, we had people there representing from all kinds. Voltron was there.
1: Yeah, I love Voltron.
0: Yeah, got a chance to watch Voltron fight um, a dragon.
1: Yeah, Voltron fight a dragon? Yeah. Oh, nice. I love
0: it. Yeah, and then there was like cosplay costumes. There was also. The Springfield D&D, the Springfield Improv Group did a cute little D&D rendition that you'll also be able to see on there.
1: So it was a big time nerd fest, huh?
0: It was. It's like you can let your geek flag fly and your nerd flag fly because it was awesome.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I like it.
0: And it was really a lot of fun. I recommend people come to VisionCon. It is absolutely incredible. It's like really nice. They even had people there from the Ren Fair. Apparently, we're going to be having the White Heart Ren Fair coming up uh, very soon, also. So, they were announcing off the Ren Fair. There were, like I said, there was all kinds of cosplay players. There were. It was wonderful. It's an absolute great time. And, like I was telling Olaf, it was my very first con. I never have been to any cons. I have been to festivals. Not to a Vision pod or any pod like
1: that. Oh, so you were a virgin.
0: Yep.
2: Yes, she got she had her convention cherry
0: popped. <laughs> yep.
1: That's awesome.
0: In a good and happy way.
1: <laughs> In so, a good yeah. and happy way, that's funny.
0: Yeah. Kinty, do you also want to play the uh, those little clips for the audience so that they can hear
1: sure. some of the cool stuff that happened? Sure, It's um, the clip is about five minutes long, it's a couple of clips, so yep. uh, here we go.
3: We're part of, we're called Eclectic Endeavors, which is a part of the Springfield Regional Art Council. Uh, we're a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Everything we make over and above our operating expenses actually goes towards a scholarship towards the Nerd Geeky Arts, so we gave a scholarship away this year, and we'll be given another one away next year hopefully, depending on how much we make, Excellent. Uh, and it's all towards anything gaming related, so game design, media arts, uh, writing, anything of a nerd type culture. You know, if you want to be a graphic artist. What? Podcaster. If you want to be a podcaster. (laughs) We do panels on how to do a successful Kickstarter thing, how to draw a comic book, um, how to design costumes. We we do all of that. And... uh, we're, we're just basically trying to teach people that all these geeky, nerdy things are also educational and art. Yes. We're, we're involved in education and art and we want to spread the art and education of the nerd subculture. So that's what we're about. Excellent. And you're located where? Well, we're in Springfield and the actual convention is at the Expo Center in October. We also do a picnic once a year at Phelps Grove Park. Uh, It's free to go. We provide the hot dogs and hamburgers, and then it's potluck for everything else. We have lawn games, we have people under the under the playing Dungeons and Dragons and Magic. Um, we do a DM battle once a year, where it's kind of like Iron Chef for Dungeon Masters. We give them three elements, they have to make a dungeon and they, they run them with some people. Then we kind of vote to see who's the Iron DM. Uh, and we also do a game day at the uh, headquarters of the region Regional Arts Center called uh, the Creamy Arts Center. Once a year where it's like like seven hours of board games, card games, just come in and play for free. And how would somebody contact you? You'd go to springfieldgame.com, is our website. You get one of our flyers here at the convention, and you can find our flyers also at Metagames in Springfield. Um, Cave Turkey has some of our flyers. Uh, places like that 1984 you can get a flyer of course fantastic yeah Um, and uh, like I said go to springfieldgame.com or check us out on uh, Facebook at uh, Eclectic Endeavors is the name of the group Excellent. Well, thank you very much yeah. for your time and thank no you for what you do. Oh, no problem. Like I said, anything gaming, anything arts, media, nerd, culture, we're all about
0: it. And welcome back to Movie Time and it, we're Day 2 at VisionCon. Con. I hope you're, that you're all enjoying yourself and we are here with T.A. Roberts, how are you doing? I'm
3: doing well, thank you. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming
0: to see me. Well, we passed by these amazing books and wanted to know so, all about you and how did this come to be? Well, the, the funny
3: story behind how these got started is uh, I'm I'm a am I'm, a, I'm, I'm in law enforcement um, I'm a deputy sheriff for the Greene County Sheriff's Department. Well, one night a few of us officers were having coffee and uh, a friend of my, a friend of mine named Chris Sowers was a deputy at the time. He said, "Well, what will we do if zombies hit Springfield?" So we all laughed about it. And he goes, "No, seriously, what will we do?" So we got to talking about emergency wow. management plans, and uh, I get I got a story idea out of it and ran with it. And now I have five books in and. We're going to talk about how maybe this franchise has affected That them. would or be way. forward. I should speak clearer. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll tell a story. <laughs> Everybody's got to go today. <laughs> and then we'll open it up these. Because I'm sure that you all have some experience or some story about science fiction. has changed your life. So, Brazil, and our Star Wars pundit. At the printer we'll have for sale um, hip wrap bottles, mm-hmm. jewelry. Yeah,
0: that's what we uh, have. If we have.
3: Dodge um, um, Armory will be there
0: to
3: uh, doing. Uh, I feel
0: also the actor-director relationships have also changed over time because with it...
3: The- he's a much younger Barry Allen than I was. I think I was early 30s when I did it, and he's early 20s when he started. So uh, that his lends itself to a little more vulnerability. Also, it was a different time period. It was 1990, so the suit had to be very muscular and very fast. Now they've sleeked it down and uh, made it appropriate to speed. Um, I think Mike Barry had a bit more edge, but then he was older. And it's interesting to see Grant's Barry progress from t- 2014 to over the course of three years.
0: There you go. So, you, now you, uh, so now you have some of the examples of some of the stuff that was going on there. And as you can hear, it was a rapidly uh, busy con also of a lot of people in there during the time and some really great stuff.
1: Yeah, it sounds like you guys had a lot of fun. Um, what was the vibe like?
0: Well, the vibe was very, very energetic and very positive. It's like a lot of people, it's like they were very accepting of each other. It's like you know, really open uh, with each other. It's like no matter uh, what, there was support for everybody in all styles and all uh, forms of uh, different events. It's like the attendance was lovely for each one of the seminars and the webinar and the attendance for the events themselves. It's like, you know, people were very respectful there. There wasn't any conflict arguments. And it was, in general, a lot of camaraderie, even amongst all of the guests, all of the vendors. It was really, it was a very pleasant weekend. It wasn't like a competitive kind of thing cuz even when you're cosplaying it's like they were still cheering for each other uh, during the cosplay competitions and everything and during the gaming rooms and stuff like that it's like no there wasn't any like fist fights that were breaking out in the in the gaming rooms and stuff like that everybody just seemed to get along really well they were really open to taking pictures doing all kinds of stuff and really talking to the people who came there to visit to their booths and tables and everything
1: you know what's funny is that there is a. Uh, in LA, uh oh, your background noise is pretty bad, uh, person. Um, mm-hmm. in LA, you would think there'd be all kind of these cons and stuff, but there really isn't. Um, uh, most of these cons seem to be in the Midwest, the South, maybe even the East Coast. Um, so, one reason is, it's, I know it's very expensive to have them out here. And oddly enough, most of these people, the uh, kind of that live out here, so it's pretty funny. Uh, so, but I know that uh, Olaf, you get to go to a lot of conventions. And uh, what distinguishes for you a good convention, a mediocre one, and a, a downright bad one? So, what's the difference? What, what's the, the difference in your mind?
2: Well. <clears throat> As far as what's considered a good convention is one that's uh, organized well. In other words, your layout—it's uh, the layout's good. Uh, in other words, you do not have—you're not like running from one end to the other end when things should be like in you know more centralized and stuff. That would be a good convention—one that's laid out and organized well, and uh, volunteers know what's going on and. And are helpful uh, mediocre one would be one that's you know pretty well organized but you know volunteers are kind of like um I, I think that's over there I don't know uh, you know location is also a thing too it's like if it's you know if, uh, if things are too spread out uh, sometimes I've been to a couple of conventions where you know, like the panels were in one building and the celebrities were in another building and, you know, you had to like walk a block between them and things like that. Unless it's like a really big one, you know, a really huge one like Dragon Con, one of the Dragon Con ones or like uh, San Diego Comic-Con because that's kind of spread out over a little bit of space. But uh, So a mediocre one just... Maybe not having really, you know, good guests. And a bad one, uh, let's see, a bad one is one that's poorly organized. Uh, Nobody knows anything that's going on. It's like including the guests, they don't know what's going on because they've not been told where they're supposed to be at and what they're supposed to be doing. Uh, Then just... It's you know a, a bad one is just one where nobody really knows what's going on and it's like in a little hole in the wall place and you know bad location, bad staff, and all that. So yeah, it, it's I, like yeah, the, the the more experience they've got, the more experienced conventions, you know they they kind of got it you know worked out. It's like going be like going into a uh, numbers a good convention is going like going into a uh like say a particular store that you've gone to for a couple you know for a little while and everybody knows where everything is at and knows what's going on and you know it's just a good experience you walk in you feel like you belong there uh mediocre one is where eh, well don't really feel like i'm it's not that great but it's not that bad it's okay. <laughs> a bad one is like going. How the hell did I ever come into this place?
1: <laughs> <laughs> we went. I've been
4: to a couple of those. We want away yeah. welcome uh, Arpo to the show. Uh, welcome to the
0: show, Arpo. How you doing?
4: I'm 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 good. I'm sorry I'm late. I didn't get the message about the move back to six o'clock. I'm sorry. That's
3: okay.
2: Well, that's okay. We'll we'll let you slide since it. No, said so so it, so, so it is your birthday we'll let you slide
0: happy birthday, happy birthday. you get a birthday it passed for that yay yep that and cake. virtual world cake
4: <laughs> yes
0: <laughs> didn't you see the cute little cake that was on your uh, on your facebook page
4: I, you know, I always wait until almost midnight to check my Facebook page so that I I know all the greetings are there. I can just sit down and read them all at once. I don't miss any.
0: Cool. Yeah, it's like, one of, like you said, one of the greatest things about these different cons, you said it yourself, is the fact that it's like if it's really well organized. And like I said, I must give one more shout out to Andrea because she was amazing, absolutely amazing. She, she was so helpful in setting up a lot of those interviews and stuff for us there. It's like I can't thank her enough and it, totally hope that she is there next year because she rocks.
2: And, oh, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. I didn't, don't mean to cut in on you, but that's that's yeah. another thing. is Because when I go to the conventions, I'm going as press. Yeah. So, uh, the, as far as your press experience, if they have somebody in charge of media that is that knows what they're doing you will have a good experience like uh, uh, like uh, Grayson had at VisionCon, if you've got somebody that's good with uh, setting up the interviews and all that stuff, and like, okay, you've got here's, these are the people you wanted to interview, and here's your times and where you can interview them at, and it just makes your life easier because you know when you're supposed to be somewhere. Uh, if the person in charge of media yep. is not that good. You're not going to have that good of an experience. You know, trying to do your trying to do your job as far as press, and in a at a bad convention, you forget it. You're just on your own.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're wandering around aimlessly, going, oh, "Who can I interview? You know, who will allow me to interview? Who won't allow me to interview?" And it kind of really puts you at a disadvantage.
1: Yeah, it's always good to have, to have that person that, that uh, mitigate those things, uh, mediate those things for you. So, um, so uh, who give us some um, give, give us some uh, your highlights, your personal highlights for the uh, vision kind uh, of Grayson.
0: I'd probably say personal uh, highlights was having the chance to meet a lot of these great people and listen to some really great stories. And a lot of these books that they have at VisionCon, like meeting Lisa Medley, Allison Merritt, meeting um, like uh, Chris w- uh, Chris Wilson, I meeting like all of these uh, different authors, Samantha uh, McMillan. Mac- uh, all of them, they were just so welcoming and inviting. I have to say, also one of the highlights uh, there was also you know kind of uh, getting our swag on as well, also because. It's like wound up with this really cute Gotham (laughs) lunchbox and a lot of promotion for Gotham, the series, uh, which I absolutely love. And uh, um, also the Son of Zorn cup. So I have the official chalice from the Son of Zorn. (laughs) From there, I also wound up uh, meeting huge Max fans. Which uh, was really great because having like about an hour long conversation with different Max fans, which was really wonderful for Mas- those people who don't Mas- know the comic book series The Max and the television uh, The Max. And so I wound up get, uh, getting about six episodes from that. Did you say The
1: including Mask? Including one
0: where he just does a cameo. Did you say The
1: Mask? The Max. Spell it?
4: Max. M A X X. Oh, The Max. Yep. Okay.
0: Yeah, Bill Messner, uh, the gentleman Bill Messner Loeb, who we interviewed a couple of weeks back, was on here. The, one of the co-writers. You remember that interview, don't you, Kintae?
1: All right, fin- continue what you're saying.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, uh, talking with the uh, the fans of that, talking with different artists of new uh, of new comic books. Oh, and I have to say, one of my uh, ones was meeting somebody who's also dark side and light side. In the Star Wars world. And knowing that there are legions of Star Wars people that we can join here.
1: <laughs> oh, wow.
0: Yeah, he's both dark side and light side. And apparently there is now a new Sith organization. So be on the lookout for the Sith.
1: There's a new Sith Lord organization? Yep. Okay. What? Well, oh, man, I gotta be careful then when I walk to the car at night.
0: <laughs> Yep. So I mean like and, and you know the guy is like balancing I'm like okay so you're on the light side and on the dark side and it's like both of them had cool toys and apparently had cookies.
4: Oh, cookies. Oh, I'm so there.
2: So what
0: you're saying No, what
2: you what you're saying is this this fella that you found that was on the light side and the dark side he was kind of hoff and hoff. Uh
3: yeah. <laughs>
4: yeah but it's it's also it's a well-known fact that the dark side has always had cookies
0: and then of course this was also one of my highlights too and i will shamelessly promote them yes because they have a great video game coming out based on the edge of beyond and also this series of books by david peterson called angst those people who love and anti, the person who's, if you've ever felt in your life that you were the person passed over for all the great opportunities, Angst is your book. So uh, that was kind of uh, a cool thing. Learning different authors, getting, like I said, you know, getting to know people's stories. Um, Ezra uh, Menace is doing a book because for Relay for Life. Just like that gentleman who you heard with the D&D in clubs and with the gaming that is doing it for the scholarships for kids, Ezra Menace does it for uh, Relay for Life. Every one of his uh, profits go to that. They've raised over, I believe he said 77,000 so far for Relay for Life. Oh,
2: wow. That's awesome.
0: You know, it's like people are doing things for just so many interests, and talking to them, it's like they have such interesting stories and interesting backgrounds. People who come from teaching backgrounds, from backgrounds in the entertainment industry as well, it's like, yes, it was wonderful to interview the guests. Don't get me wrong, they were amazing people. And they, too, have an interesting backstory on that. But it's like talking to the people on the floor who are, our future rights holders and stuff, they had some really fascinating information. Like the Chris Wilson in his book where it's like, if you always felt like the odd person that you didn't really fit in, well, he can. his book explains a lot of that to you and making you feel good to be weird. It feels good to be weird. And it does.
1: It feels good to be weird?
0: Yeah. To not fit in with the crowd
2: well that's why i've never really had a problem because i've always known that i was weird and you know i didn't bother me none it's like it's i embrace my weirdness
0: yeah and i and i mean it was just really nice like the people there the cut it's like uh, the people from the ren fair that were there and i mean honestly it's like uh, you know samantha mcmillan uh, having city of the gods and uh, the story behind that Having different things from like the Devil's Pool, where it talked about the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse and what would happen if you had to fight the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse on uh, places now, uh, you know, just different, different uh, things. It's like Charlie Thirteen, an homage to the Old West, um, and the uh, and the art that's there. There was this uh, artist also there named Xavier Sage. His parents are the ones who do these amazing. Things and one of the drawings that are on there that you'll see on the website is called the, the, the Three Faces of Abuse. And it's just absolutely the graphic detail on this, it's like wow. And the emotional connection that you feel to these paintings and pictures, it's like, yeah, you, you realize that they got it and that they have like a really different story to tell. So, yeah, it's like there were quite a few highlights with it. And what I also noticed is it's a different atmosphere, like I mentioned, to any film festivals. Film festivals, uh, which brings us on to our next topic of the film festival circuit. Film festivals are so different. It's about business. It's about being commercial, about stuff. It, it, you know, it's like, yes, if you bought things from them, that was lovely. But they loved also just talking to you. And telling you their stories. And telling you about what they, uh, they are about. It's like we're, we're film festivals. It's like I can understand. It's like, Yes, it's about business. And it's about contests. And it's about winning. But it's not that kind of camaraderie. It, or at least I haven't had it in my experiences of that kind of camaraderie. It's more straight to business. It,
4: yeah, exactly. I mean, even... Even vendors at at a lot of of all conventions you know if, if they don't have a line of people waiting to buy stuff, they'll just talk to you you know, and they don't care if you're buying or not and you you go to a film fest and you talk to someone about all they care about is are you voting for the movie
2: Yeah. right well, I think the difference the you know not not uh, I've not been to a film festival <clears throat> yet, so I can't say with any. Accuracy, but I I would think that like the film festival is more like, you know, going to the local job fair and say here, come work for us and uh, you know, it's all about business and promoting and it's not about making friends or anything like that. We're a convention like the uh Vision Con that's what it's about. It's about, you know, getting in touch with your fans. If you're in those, uh, the celebrities getting in in touch with their fans, Mm -hmm. the writers getting in touch with their readers, the vendors, you know, uh, you know, wanting to sell their stuff. It's a whole different, it's a whole different thing. It's like going to a business meeting or going to like a birthday party to compare the two. In other words, your film festival is the, business meeting and the conventions are your birthday party.
1: Well, yep. uh, well it's a great racket for the film festivals because this is how it works is okay, so I have a film festival, so a bunch of people will submit their film to my festival. Well there's a uh there's a, a price attached to it you know uh, i've seen it as low as $25 i've seen it as high as i've seen some 4 and 500 if, if uh, for the then you got the major ones where you know it's quite a bit of money um so what happens is it's it's a brilliant uh, racket because they're under no obligation to accept your movie so what happens is the good stuff we can keep right and we want to show it at our film festival the bad stuff we'll keep your money and we won't let you into it so you got that working for you, plus you got the, the vendors. It's a lot of opportunity to make money. And uh, out here, there's a lot of film festivals. There's all kinds of film festivals. And people. Are, there's so many people with content now because it's a lot easier to get content made. It's just harder to get it. It's The hard part is more the distri- distribution and whatnot. So it's like, congratulations, you made a film. Now what the hell do I do with it, right? So uh, most people think, well, you know, I'll get it into a a film festival. I know people that have been traveling the same movie in film festivals for like the last six, seven years. They keep putting them in the film festivals every year, which is, uh, you know, which is pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, it is interesting, but yet at the same time, it's the hoping that it will go somewhere beyond the film festival circuit. And or they do it because they want that at the exposure for being able to sell the product. It's not, it, they never talk to the actual people who are coming there to watch it and tell them motivations behind it unless they have a panel of it.
4: Yeah, and you know the thing too is you can you can really do a lot of good for your movie uh, with the yes. film festivals now for example the movie that that i'm i've been hyping for the last week or so uh year by the sea they were at 12 smaller film festivals and they received 19 nominations and won 17 awards so there were only two awards that they didn't win they won 17 out of 19 you know even at small film fest that's that's a pretty respectable score. And that's something that you can use, you can parlay to get people, you know, to drive interest for your film and getting it uh, better distributed. So they do perform a service, and it's a good service, but as as Kente said, they're also, you know, the people running the festival are there for the money. They could really care they could really care less about the films
0: Right. and this is another thing though that a lot of film festivals have also come to is that a lot of them have are promoting a lot of commercial films that you'll be seeing in the theater very very shortly out there it's like um the, it's like there's a switch of also really is there an indie film festival and if so if there is an indie film festival which there i'm sure there are quite a few of them um do they really actually go anywhere beyond the film festival circuit?
4: Yeah, that's a that's a pretty fair question. I know that most of the uh film festivals uh that year by the sea went to were all pretty small. Hang on, I'm just trying to pull up the list. Where's it at? There it is. I do have it. Let's see. Where did they go? Uh, Berkshire International Festival. Best Actors Film Festival, the Hamilton Film Festival in California, the Memphis International Film Festival. That's a pretty that's a pretty good one. Uh, Naperville Independent Film Festival, Newport Beach Film Festival, Orlando Film Festival. That's another fairly big one. Uh, Port Townsend Film Festival, Rhode Island International Film Festival. St. Louis International Film Festival—that's another fairly big one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Vale Film Festival, Woodstock Film Festival—is pretty well known. Uh, so you know they've they've run the gamut from the fairly well known to you know Naperville Independent Film. That's 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 getting kind of obscure. <laughs> Plus, I've been to Naperville and. <laughs> I'm sorry. There are a lot of stuck up people there. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> That's elevator, right? Quite all right. In, in regards to that, yes, it like it makes for a very different kind of experience. Also a lot of times the reason why they're also having a lot of these commercial ones in these film festivals. Click
2: how to is... close this page. Sorry Click, how close this
0: page. Sorry Click how to
2: close this page. Click how to close this page.
1: Click,
2: Hello, how to on this page. Uh, keep... Click how to close the page. Click, Click how to close this page. 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 Click how to close that stuff again. Click how to close this page. Click how to close this page. How many times we
4: told you no porn during the show? Click how to close
2: this page. Click how to close this page. How, how, how many pages
0: did you have page. open? Oh my gosh. Click out to close this page. Click out to close this page. Yeah, so click I mean honestly if you think page. about it, click it's like uh, they do also have page. to have a certain amount of click commercial films, I do understand, in order to bring the star quality page. there to click the page. festival so to be able to promote to it above. Click out to this page. With
2: click it, how to Click how to
0: close this
1: page. Wow, you really how to
4: close to this you. page. See, now it goes really. See? Poor Kente, nobody loves him. Not, 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 even, not even the internet.
1: Continue with the show. Yep,
0: yeah, no worries. <laughs> have, have you closed the page? Because yeah. they did want you to close it.
4: Oh, it's it's getting suspenseful now.
0: <laughs> now. Now it's like, did he close it? Did he? That's almost <clears> like <throat> the Netflix series that they're gonna have. It's like a reality TV. Did he close the page?
1: Continue with
0: the show. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like, okay. Yeah, moving on. It's like, <sighs> yeah. No, it's yeah. kind of funny because you mentioned that because during the time of a lot of the interviews, all of a sudden they would just come out the announcer uh, at the cons. It's like. Has anybody seen Batman's utility belt? It's like, really. (laughs) You know, ladies and gentlemen, to let you know, Batman's utility belt is somewhere in this building. If you happen to find it, please return it to the office. It was like, what? (laughs) Then how
4: was he holding his tights up?
0: Yeah. It was. It was funny. In regards to that, there's like all different kinds of announcements in the, there. But what I was saying, though, with the film festivals is they do have to have a certain amount of commercial films, I do understand, in order to have the celebrity draw, in order to be able to have people come and submit into the film festival. But what I find is that, really, um, Lloyd uh, said it best, Lloyd Kaufman, that it, there really is a very mixed message of what is actually Indie. Because things like Sundance used to become, it used to be an indie, and now it's pretty much ninety um, percent commercial, ten percent indie. It's
4: ninety ten. Yeah, uh, the, yeah. Sundance when it started off, it's like on South Park. There was an episode where Sundance moved to South Park. And uh, one of the characters, Eric Cartman, kept carrying on, why would you want to go see an independent movie? They're just gay cowboys talking about quiche. And it's like, <laughs> you know, but, you know, the things have become more commercial at film festivals, and I underst- I, I, I'm I like you, I understand the need for that, but I think there needs to, better, to be a better balance because as I have harped on in the past several times the small independent film is the future of hollywood yes the big blockbusters are are going to fizzle out um with very few exceptions the studios are losing money hand over fist with a lot of these big budget blockbuster films
1: you know the guy who uh who he really uh has it figured out is uh that Jason Blum that guy uh from Blumhouse he makes these mm-hmm. movies for next to nothing and he gets such a big return uh you know the last i mean he puts out what probably a good 10 blockbusters a year you know yes. and uh you know he doesn't make money, he makes them for a very little bit of money you know by you know like this movie get out that i I'll, I'll, I'll mention uh later was made for a $4.5 million budget, and it grossed 30, $33 million, you know, at the box office, you know, in this first week. And uh, mm-hmm. Split, uh, another one, uh, Split was made for only $9 million, and it, it grossed yep. uh, over $130 million. So, you know, that guy, that guy has figured it out, and everybody wants to work with him, you know. Uh, he actually, believe it or not, he actually produced uh, Whiplash from a couple of years ago. Yeah, you know,
4: and Whiplash was an outstanding film.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, you know, because he does like these horror films. It, then again, you could say Whiplash was kind of a horror film <laughs> in a way. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yes, J.K. Simmons made me pee my
0: pants. He was so scary. <laughs> he was yeah, probably the scariest. I
4: actually don't have the pleasure of
0: seeing Whiplash.
4: He was the scariest guy. Um, I, in... I love J.K. Simmons, and it is the his greatest performance. They couldn't have written a better movie for him
0: very cool so yeah it's like it it becomes a very interesting perspective in regards to that it's like and I and I do understand like I said why they do have a a, and yeah they do really need to start understanding the independent market and the independent circuit because uh, you know if you want to be able to start highlighting newer filmmakers and and going by the way of indies um, they really have to start understanding that they can divide out the festival by two and still have people come one of the mistakes that that Tiff makes is for example with their film festival they tell you what movies that you get to see you don't really get to pick
4: them I see that's wrong
0: yeah and that's not really cool you know, it's like a, you get uh, it's like you can submit what choices you'd like, but you don't necessarily get into those choices. Yeah. And it's always been tips downfall in that sense, because what if there's a movie that I really don't want to see as an as an observer, as a filmmaker? Of course, you want to see as many films as you possibly humanly really can.
4: But by by the same token, I mean in a way, I sort of understand the idea behind that, because you don't want people all going to the big budget, big star movies and ignoring all the little
0: ones. Well, then what they need to do, uh, as far as that goes, then set forward, you know, the big star ones for one night kind of thing, and then have the rest of it be an actual film festival.
4: Oh yeah, no, I, 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 I agree with you. I'm, 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 I. Let me play devil's advocate here, will ya? <laughs> Go ahead. But, uh, no, you know they're, they're trying to make sure that, the, that those smaller independent films do get an audience, and I, I can understand that. But no, I agree with you. Uh, mm-hmm. If they want to do that, then just have nights where the only thing they're showing are the smaller independent films. And then make you have to choose on other nights which one of the big budget movies you're going to go
0: see. Yes. Play for the majority of the festival, the indie. Then uh, on, uh, then give, like, you know, that night, you can pick what major movie you want to go
1: see. You want to... Um, yeah. Now, now, I have some, a little evidence uh, to make uh, your point there, uh, Arpo, about uh, how Hollywood's losing a lot of money. And uh, I found some of the, the biggest flops from last year. <laughs> so um
4: I know what one of them was. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Okay,
1: so we're going to start off with a film that uh, I made fun of quite uh, a bit, and I didn't. I very famously had free tickets to go see, and I that free wasn't enough for me to go see it. Uh Ben Hur, the remake. Now the movie, yes. they say it costs about 110 million. To make and surprisingly, it made more than I would have thought it would have made. It made a global total of 994 million dollars. So that's a huge problem. And that's obviously not a uh, they said with the marketing, uh, they said they believe it cost 120 million. So that's a huge mm-hmm. loss. Um, the movie BFG. Uh, it cost 140 million to make, and it yep. it made domestically 55 million, and in, including the, uh, the including the um, the uh, worldwide gross, it made 178 million. Which, if you count all the marketing and all of that, they said Bf- yep. BFG lost 90 to 100 million dollars. Uh, For the for its partners. Wow. Now this film looked like a real piece of shit. Uh, Gods of Egypt. They said Gods of Egypt. uh, The Gods of Egypt cost. Let me make sure I get it right. As much as ninety million dollars. Now, mind you, they don't count the marketing budget, which is always, uh, you know, they don't count that with the. You know, uh, so it's actually when they they give these numbers, it's actually a lot yeah. more. So they said that that film grossed uh, thirty-one million domestically. Thank God for the international market,
0: because uh,
1: <laughs> but totally. Well, it's- this
0: is what they rely a
1: lot on. Mm-hmm. So your background is pretty bad. Um, uh-oh. Now. Yes, sir. Let me uh, see if I can get him back yep. in. And it's I'm amazing,
0: gonna... though, that, to see that, that mark, the way that that market works. Because it's like, yes, you rely a lot on the international market for their sales and stuff. Because especially in that we are we are fully dependent on the foreign market before we even sell domestically. We have to sell foreign. It used to be the other way around.
1: Thank God for the foreign market, because some of these movies would do... Really bad.
0: Yeah,
1: it's like at least
0: it gets Um,
1: the movie, uh, The Great Wall, was they spent one hundred and fifty million dollars for that movie, and it, um, wow. it only grossed thirty four million. Totally, somebody's getting killed over that.
0: Yeah. Well, you know what? It still is early to see, and it may work as a DVD signal. Right. You're so
1: kind.
0: You know, it's like, it, something that I've often said is that, you know, sometimes it just wasn't meant to be a theatrical release. They did it as a theatrical release. It's great, but it's like it wasn't really meant to be a theatrical release because, honestly, there isn't enough that goes behind it. You would have just been better off having it as a really cool you know not non-commercial there. dvd kind of thing wait, or now, a you know a netflix kind of thing that people would turn the uh, tune into or on demand
1: wait a minute what was it what they didn't spend enough shackles on it
0: yeah well what, what, they what? It, they spent far too many as far as i'm concerned uh, yeah
1: uh, uh, that wasn't the, the problem with the, the Great Wall. They spent a lot of check shekels on it. Yep.
4: <laughs> yeah.
0: Way too many shekels. Yeah, actually, I, get, for that
4: I, I got cut off there because my computer, my laptop was still trying to get the signal from our community center instead of from my own Wi Fi. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, you know, it wasn't working so good. Uh, I was going to say on Bren Hur, the reason that was the one I was saying, I know what one was. Because uh, Alexander Janko, the director of Eurotice, and I were talking about that very movie in the 15 minutes I had with him, as, which he stated as an example of Hollywood doesn't know what it's doing anymore with these big budget films or putting them out and losing money. And I, I quipped that they did it uh, as a tax write-off, and he said it would not surprise him at all to find out that was in fact the case. Because Hollywood has just become big business. It's it's more about the business than it is about the movies anymore. Well,
1: oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. That's all it is.
2: That's all it is. It's all It's like It's it's all about the Benjamins.
0: Yeah. Well, it's also about the fact that it's like a lot of people have lost touch with what the audience likes. This is where, in terms of a con, they get in touch with their audience, of that they understand their fan bases and stuff like that. And again, this is the real people getting in touch with the people. It's in a way that I've often said that, okay, now that I've seen my first con, it, it would be nice if the festival circuit did the exact same thing. It's not the put up the booth so that you get the distributors only. It's a get in touch with the audience. You know, have the distributors have their own section that you can go to them and say as an audience member, um, you know what? I really think that I'd like to see more stories like X thing. Well, you know, Tell us your it, opinion. What you would like to see.
2: In, in, in a perfect world, that's what would happen. But that's <clears throat> That's not it. In other words, it's like what what you see like the difference between like so the the film festivals and like the convention. The film festivals um it's all about it's it's like I mean, it probably is all about the Benjamins. From what I'm yeah. I can't say Firsthand, because I've not been to one, but from what you all are saying, what I hear is basically it's all about the Benjamins. It's not about anything else. It's about selling the movies and getting they getting getting all their stuff out there. So I don't think that would <clears throat> there's I don't think a film festival is ever going to be like a uh, comic con. I said no. they'll just they'll never go that route because. It's just like I'm sure you all have seen something that started out as like a, like a little mom and pop thing and it started to grow and get bigger. Any kind of a business start to grow and get bigger and everything like that. And as soon as it becomes big enough that it turns into a corporation, it loses its familiarity with its customers and it's, everybody just kind of becomes a number you're not a customer you're like you you become a number and you just fall into this big corporate cog that you know you, you lose that you know you know you're grounding you're you're being you know a down to earth person when it gets into the corporate i've seen it happen with yeah. uh different things well kenji let's and y'all well you all know about the second life when it was in the beginning it was great as when it got bigger and bigger and bigger and they had to you know bring in uh it's like more corporate people well guess what it started getting the rules started changing and it's you know it some things were for the better but some things were for the worse and that's why I I you'll you'll never see a festival film festival to be run like a uh, comic con they're just two different animals,
4: yeah. I mean, like, like you said, I mean, it's like what Ray Kroc did when he created McDonald's. I mean, he took a lot of mom and pop hamburger joints and franchised them under the McDonald's umbrella and just kept getting it bigger and bigger until it became totally impersonal. And right. you're seeing more and more festivals uh, these days, and they are becoming you know, more and more impersonal. and They're kind of becoming like the, uh, like the McDonald's of, of cons. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Right.
0: Only they're losing their original French fries.
2: Yeah, exactly. But they're making, but the the problem runs into is they're making twice as much money or they're making two or three times the money they were making before when it was a bunch of, it's like there was a film festival. It's like you know, if it was a bunch of mom and pops, you know, mom and pop filmmakers all around there, and everybody was like going, "Oh, hey, look at my movie! Oh, that's great, you did!" And there, everybody's little like your camarader, camaraderie of a a comic con. Well, like I said, when it goes corporate, you lose all that.
4: Yeah, it's really. I mean, Sundance started out that way, and it just mm-hmm. you know went
0: ballistic yeah because originally sundance a lot of the film festivals they started out with the intention of showing independent films and showing uh, actual new artists highlighting them to be able to get that the whole idea was that the markets things like afm and the uh, can and all of that it's like though can is listed as a film festival it's actually a market or berlin all who is a market um they, too, have also a different feel than even a film festival. You go to AFM, which is an awesome uh, place. Not only are you learning about the industry there, but it's about doing business. You know that you're going there to do business. It is about... In this video, do, I'm going to show You know, you. the AFI is attached to it, but it's one of those things of... Yeah, if you can make it to the AFI events, awesome. But, it, you know, you're really there to learn about the American film market. And about the film market and meet foreign distributors and meet and understand the behind the scenes of the film industry. That's your purpose for being there and to deal with your projects towards getting contacts towards buy and sell and making deals. That's the idea right, of the, right. the film markets.
2: So That's the you're, idea not there to, you're not there to make friends or see how many people you can, uh, you know, interest in your product you're there to see how much you can sell and how much you can make
0: yeah and how much you learn from what's the newest latest greatest tech things what's the newest latest greatest industry experiences like you know what's new in distribution what's new in finance what is new like what's the newest latest greatest thing dealing with the behind the scenes in the film industry understanding a lot of that and that's what you go there for the American film markets. to do. That's what you go to Berlin all to do. That's what you go to Asia. Asia has a film market as well. I And forgive me, uh, people, it, it's like I don't remember its name. Uh, Busan, I believe it is. But I could be wrong on that, but it's the film festival. They call it a film festival, but it's really not a film festival. It's a market. And then you have the markets, like Tech and all of these other ones, Sundance and uh, St. Louis and all of that. And they were meant for the purpose of showing initially the independent films. But what they've turned into is they've turned into the, look at me, look at my commercial project. Uh, maybe there's some independent films that, that get to be shown there. Not really so many because we want the celebrities to come here so that we drive the festival up in markets. And the yeah. whole idea of the festival was to be able to show these new works so that they do get an audience and they do get out there so that somebody can buy them. But right, which, it's also meant to be there for
4: audiences to see new work. Which which gets us into the whole debate of, of the difference between the artistic independent film where everybody is involved with the project because they really believe in it they're taking cut you know cuts and salaries some people are not taking salaries at all i know for a fact that Laura Godino uh the produ- lead producer of Year by the Sea has not taken one penny yet uh which is yes. really something and I, I believe she mentioned that Alexander Jankel has not taken any money for it yet either. So, you know, those are the people, you know, they're doing it because they believe in the product. They believe in what they're doing, as opposed to the market independent film, which is putting itself out there because it wants to make millions and millions of dollars. Now, I understand the point of any movie is to make a profit. That's, that's just a given. But there is a difference between the people who really believe in what they're doing and the people who are only doing it for the money. And it's the people who believe in what they're doing, I think, that invariably turn out the superior product.
2: Right. I yes, and I'll agree. I would agree though. I say if you're doing it because of passion and not for, you know, money, it's gonna be a better project. If it's just about the money, you're just all you're doing is let's get it done and get it out there and let's get it into the theaters so i can start making money
0: well everybody has that that dream and goal to want to do that but it's like there's also um what they uh, what they talk about is they talk about commercial independent and they talk about art house independent or i should say mainstream versus art house it's like what this is what's year by the sea for example is i would call i would classify that as a M. you know mainstream independent because it's a relatable story in regards to it um you know it's like it was built even though it's a labor of love it's built as a mainstream independent of something that appeals to a mass audience and a very passionate audience and i really hope that it, we're going to be speaking with her possibly on wednesday right if yeah
4: i'm waiting to hear back. i'm waiting to hear back from laura but uh that was yes. where we left it yes
0: Yes, so, um, I mean, in regards to that, uh, which you'll get to hear a little bit more about that particular film. Or things like, for example, uh, The Edge of Beyond. They've been working on this project. It was originally a book for 20 years. Now it's uh, going into a video game with the hopes of becoming a a project, whatever it is, the next uh, iteration after that, which is either film or television series, whatever that they wish to choose. These are uh, these are labors of love that people have not taken pennies on, and it's great. Then there is the films that are the art house films, and they too have their own circuit of area. There, that I truly believe that it's like okay, if you're doing it because you just have a word that you want to go out there and you want to do it, or you want like this, something that's very art house independent, you're gonna find a small niche market for it anyway. Um, Unfortunately, it's like there isn't a large commercial market for indie art house products. There is an, a market. I'm not telling you that there isn't. Please don't write me in and say, oh, yeah, there's a giant, uh, j- uh, j-. there really isn't. It's a niche market. It's a niche market, independent art films. Independent uh, films that I call to be mainstream films, absolutely, there's a huge market for that. And that's the market that's sitting there going, hello, Hollywood. Um, We don't necessarily want the tentpole. We want to have movies like that because we'll spend our box office dollar. You then want to have us spend our $10 to go to the theater to go see a movie that is independent mainstream that I can actually enjoy because I relate it. Or it's it's a unique subject. I'll be there. So eh, that tends to be the way it goes.
1: I don't know. It, it seems like uh, it's pie in the sky.
0: It's about distributors listening uh, to uh, to things that people want. It's like you don't know what will be a hit and what won't be a hit. But one of the things that you do know is that you do spend two hundred million dollars on the film, and then you spend another two hundred million dollars promoting it. You have to make uh, over one billion to cover it.
4: Yeah. And it's these you know these small films that that don't have the budget for the advertising that get lost by the wayside and and I think that's that's just wrong there ought to be there ought to be oh god i'm I'm going into utopia mode now. give me a second here there ought to be a Hollywood fund for the promotion of small independent films that would give them an advertising budget
0: there is some. there is yes it's one of the things that you work out is your P&A cost because if you work with an aggregator um, a lot of banks will go against the distribution deals to be able to get you the funding for your market mm. However, that, and it's like also working with aggregators as well is another thing that an indie circuit should be looking at. It's like if you are an independent, um, distributors are a wonderful set of people. They do do a lot of your marketing for you. However, if you want it marketed uh, to have a hand in the marketing and in the deliverables and stuff like that, and the say in the product so that it's actually representing to the audience that you want, then you go with an aggregator
4: that's uh, assuming you can find an aggregator that will work on a percentage as opposed to wanting an upfront fee. Correct. I do know there are some that will do that that want, you know, that will do just a percentage, but there are there yeah. I know a lot of them want an upfront fee and you know some people just just can't do that. But yeah. uh okay, so it, it is out there. It's good to know.
0: It is that the you know where the utopia part of that comes in is having it so that you know what these these independent films actually do find a way to a more commercial audience, and for that you would have to go then to the you know, the distributors and exhibitors. Uh oh, we lost you.
1: Hello. Hello, Grayson. Uh, can you guys hear me?
4: I hear you.
2: Yeah, I think the. Uh, I believe the. Uh, uh, the movie festival uh, people have uh, Shanghaied uh, Grayson. They've 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 kidnapped her because they're trying to stop her. <laughs> the Hollywood she's machine telling all eaten, our secrets. <laughs> yeah, it's like the Hollywood machine has eaten Grayson ah <clears throat> Get her so, back. It's like well, while she's gone, it's like uh, Arpo, uh it's like let's uh, I'd be interested to hear your take on this kind of like a uh, earlier uh, Kinte asked me what my thoughts on like a good. A moderate, it's like a mediocre and a bad convention. What would you, it's like? What would you? How would you place? In other words, what you think is a good convention, a mediocre one, and a bad convention?
4: Uh, a good convention is one that keeps to its schedule. You know that the organizers have worked out all the logistics so that everything happens the way it's supposed to your 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 medium is the one where things are a little bit lax but you know everybody's having a good time so you know you're not really bugged that, that much by it then there are the bad conventions where everything is just going wrong and nobody's having a good time and the camaraderie is lost and that's that is a horrible experience Hmm. Okay. And I've been to a couple of those, and uh oh, oh, oh,
2: oh. nightmares. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's like the, the yeah, I've, I've, I've been to uh, one or two of the, not, it's like of the bad ones. <laughs> and uh, you know, well, I other thing too is like the uh, another it was, it's a. Put into the uh, the the bad category uh, is uh, one that promotes says okay this one this this person and this person and this person are going to be there, and then you get to the convention and like on oh well they couldn't milk they couldn't make it because of filming or whatever you know yeah right but you don't
4: get your money back right right.
2: And, you know, they, they're they going to have all these guests, and then you get there, and for whatever reason, you know, half of them are not there. They got the booth yeah. space for them, but the booth is empty. Like, nope, they couldn't make it. Nope, they couldn't make it. Nope, they couldn't make it. Yeah, all these people are filming at the same time. Uh-uh. <laughs> right, it sounds
4: like yeah. it is. Yeah, tell me the truth. <laughs> No, we couldn't pay them. No, we couldn't pay them. No, we couldn't pay them. Oh, I'm sorry. i on my strike. You're wrong nerve there. I'm sorry. <laughs>
2: All right. uh, Grayson's yeah, so a- that seems
4: to be having trouble getting uh,
2: Grayson back. I like said so the Hollywood 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 machine is eating her. Hollywood machine
1: is coming to get her. So you know what? This is a good time for me to do the weekend box office. All right, I'm going to start out with number 10. Number 10 uh, is still in the top 10 is the movie Lion. Uh, Number nine is Split. We were talking about it a little bit earlier. Number eight was La La Land. (laughs) Number seven is Hidden Figures. Number six is uh, Fist Fight. Number five is Fifty Shades Darker. Uh, you know what's funny is, I it isn't hasn't made as much money as I thought it would have. Um, number four, The Great Wall. I think people are getting tired of it. Already, huh? In the second one. Huh? Uh, number yeah. four is The Great Wall. Number three is, uh, John Wick. Actually, it moved up. Uh, uh, number two is Lego Batman. Uh, which is a, a, a runaway hit, and number one is the movie Get Out. And now I'm a while we're waiting on Grayson, I'll talk about uh, Get Out a little bit. Oh,
2: uh, uh, it's like oh, Get Out! You're kidding me. <laughs> get Out is the number one. Oh, get out of here.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh-huh, wait,
2: wait.
1: Yeah yeah yeah. All right, (laughs) I was a little late on the draw, but anyway, so um, (laughs) no, I I I had a chance to see the movie Get Out, and I have to say it's one of the best uh, horror films I've seen in a long time. It was outstanding. I thought uh, I thought Jordan Peele did a fantastic job directing. You know, the movie had just it was very well done. Uh, The acting was superb. The storyline was really good. Uh, You know, the third act. I, I was good, but I, I could have. I wanted a little bit more, but uh, overall, it's a really good, really good film. Uh, I don't want to obviously spoil it for anybody, but definitely, if you have a chance to see it, it's definitely worth to watch. I was uh, present, pleasantly surprised. So,
2: get out. So, in other words, in in your opinion, if you can get out to see Get Out. You would not be disappointed that you got out and saw it. Yes.
4: <laughs> okay. You won't be sitting in your seat looking around saying, "How do I get out?" Hey, I don't know why it's taking so long.
1: <laughs> when I hit the button, it's just like taking forever. Well, that's
4: okay. It, you know, it punctuated my joke. So I know, right? <laughs> right.
1: But definitely, "Get Out" is a very good one. All right, so the next one, we're going to talk about some movies coming out this weekend. Welcome back, Grayson. And uh, Thank you.
0: Sorry uh, about that. Uh, we had a little bit of a brownout here.
1: Yes,
4: yes, yes. Oh, okay. Sorry. We yeah. thought maybe the Hollywood machine had chewed you up and spat you I out. I so. <laughs>
0: yeah, they must have. Darn Hollywood
1: people. So let's talk about the movies that are coming out this weekend. Um... All right, so I'm going to read the synopsis, and you guys are going to tell me if this sounds like something you want to see. All right, that background is terrible, uh, Grayson. All right, here we go. Here's the synopsis. Grayson, hit you!
4: Are you on a subway station? Nope,
1: Grayson, yeah. you gotta you gotta start hitting mute when you when that that thing happens. Um,
0: oh, it was it was just switching over stations. Sorry.
1: Okay, here we go. Synopses. All right. All right, here we go. The movie is called Wolves, two thousand seventeen. All right, a New York City high school basketball star named Anthony, played by Taylor John Smith. Seems to have a promising future ahead of him. But it's threatened by his father's abusive behavior and severe gambling addiction. As Anthony pursues an athletic scholarship at Cornell, his dad, played by the great Michael Shannon, uh, gets tangled up with the mob. Uh, Wrote and directed, uh, I'm sorry, Bart Friedlich, Friedlich? I can't say his last name, Uh, directed this coming-of-age drama and Carla Kajino, co-stars as well. So I'm going to start off with, uh, let's start off with um, with uh, Arpo there. Uh, does this sound like something you would be interested in seeing?
4: Uh, it's probably better than I think it sounds, but to me it sounds very formulaic. So I think I would pass until uh, I can get it on my television. Okay. And
1: what about you, uh,
4: Olaf?
2: Yeah, I, I don't think I would pay to go see it. Uh, wait for it to, you know, wait for it to come out and at least see some of the reviews or something on it first. But yeah, I, I, that, that'd be a wait and see for me.
1: All right. And then last but not least, uh, Grayson. Hmm, maybe.
0: You know, i got to get a
1: yes or a no. No maybes tonight. Uh,
0: then I'd probably say no. Okay.
1: No, I, no, no. I'll
0: wait for it to go on DVD.
1: I say no. I will not see it. Even though the Michael Shannon and the beautiful uh, Carla... How you say her name? Cagino? Whatever her name is.
4: Uh, I'm a pass on that ass. All right. I'm 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 always up for Carla Cagino, but it it has to be on DVD where I can freeze frame it.
1: <laughs> okay. Alright, so the next film we're going to talk about, wait a second, this opens next week. Why is this in my thing? Sorry about that. That's weird. I had it, uh, oh, because my, okay, I was on crack. Uh, alright, let's do this one. Alright, so the name of this film is called Donald Cried. Okay, here we go. Synopsis. While visiting his hometown in Rhode Island, a successful Wall Street banker, played by Jesse uh, Wakeman, runs into the emotionally stunted former best friend he left behind, Chris uh, Adamson. I don't know. Who is eager to reconnect and reminisce about old times. Uh, Adivison also wrote and directed this film. Alright. Okay. So we're going to start off with you, Grayson. Donald Cry. Does this sound like some stuff you want to see?
0: Not even remotely close.
1: Okay. What about you, Olaf? Do you want to see Donald crying?
2: Oh, um, oh my gosh. Uh, no.
0: (laughs) The movie sounds like it'll make me want to cry. Alright. Oh,
2: your background.
1: Mute. Mute. Like, you got to mute. When I when I say mute, please mute right away. Yes. Like, mute. Yeah. Uh... Uh, Arpo.
4: i can't scared to see a grown man cry! It's <laughs> so, no.
1: I don't think I would watch this movie at gunpoint. So the answer is no, 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 no. All right. So we have two more films left. Uh, I think, I'm sorry, uh, three films left. Okay. I actually, this next film, I actually was offered free passes to. And I'll tell you what I did with those passes. uh, Once we get to uh, everyone's review, I mean, uh, everyone's uh, thing. All right. The name of the movie is called The Shack. Here's the synopsis. After a loving father, Sam Worthington, endures a family tragedy that rocks him to his core, he receives a mysterious invitation to the shack, a decrepit shelter where an unimaginable horror once took place. But much to his surprise, his visit prompts a divine intervention from a series of strangers. uh, The strangers are Octavia Spencer, Graham Greene, uh, Avram uh, Aviv Alush and Samir Master it looks like, uh, anyway. Uh, and the group soon led him on a theological inquiry in the hope of getting him unstuck from his grief by reminding him of all uh, encompassing love of God based on the best-selling allegorical novel by William Paul Young. All right. So let's start off with you, Olaf. Do you want to go to the shack?
2: Oh, you know, I don't think so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no shack for you, huh? All right. Yeah, well,
2: uh, no shack for me.
1: Well, what about you, uh, Arpo? Do you want to go to the shack?
2: Uh
4: as a matter of fact I saw the preview for this film when I went to see Year by the Sea and I said, Wow, this actually looks like it might be alright. So yes, it is actually one of the films I am planning to see this weekend.
1: Go ahead, okay. All right, all right. And what about you, Grayson? Uh do you want to go to the Shizak? Mm,
0: I'm going to say no. It, does not, it doesn't sound like it appeals to me in terms of the subject.
1: Okay. Well, I was offered tickets to it and I politely said nip. <laughs> I didn't go see it, so that means no, I don't
4: want to see you it. You didn't want to see Octavia Spencer playing God? No. What's wrong with you, boy? Man, person. Evil Man. one, that's it. Evil one, that was the word I was looking for. I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea what doesn't want to see Octavia Spencer playing God and understand. Graham Greene, by the way. They're both they're both God.
1: Yeah, I, I'm good on that. Alright, so here we go. Uh two more films left. Uh this one is called Before I Fall. Alright. Synopses. A popular selfish high schooler, Zoe Deutsch Deutsch, I think that's you saying. Deutsch. Whatever. Deutsch. Deutsch. Thank you, Deutsch. Of course. Uh, Keeps uh, reveling, uh, reliving, I'm sorry, <laughs> reliving the same day over and over again, which ends with her and her friends getting into a fatal car accident. Hmm. In time, she must learn how to prevent the accident while becoming a better, kinder person to those around her. Halston Sage, Logan Miller, Kian Lawley, uh, Elaine uh, Camporis, and Jennifer, the sexy Jennifer Bills. Co-star, directed by Ryan Russo Young. This drama was based on a uh young adult novel by of the same name by Lauren Oliver. Uh can I start off by saying this sounds very, very familiar with this plot.
4: Yeah. <laughs> I, I was gonna
3: say didn't
4: this happen to uh to Bill Murray once? Bill Murray? <laughs> yeah, it happened. Well um Grayson, uh, Grayson. So
0: the serious version of Groundhog. Day.
1: Grayson. Grayson, mute. Yeah. Okay. There we go. Much better. Uh, yeah. It's happened in a lot of films. Um, but Groundhog Day. All right. So let's start off with you, Grayson. What do you think about Before I Fall? Fail.
0: fall. Um, Serious Groundhog Day Revisited. No. <laughs>
1: no. Okay. What about you, Arpo?
4: Absolutely no Interest whatsoever. Wow. Not even at gunpoint, huh? I don't even want to see it on DVD. I don't want to see it if it comes on my TV on the late show.
1: Oh wow. Okay. Alright, uh and what about you, Olaf? Uh
2: seen it before. Don't need to see it again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not that movie, but it's like uh, maybe I maybe haven't seen this one, but you know, uh, no, I don't, no desire. All
1: right. Okay, last but not least, of course, you knew I was going to bring this film up. Logan, not Logan's Run. Uh, this opens this
4: weekend. All right, let's do it. It opened today on my birthday. It's my birthday film. Yeah, I might, I might watch it this weekend. We'll see. That's a That's a spoiler, in case you couldn't guess. Yes. (laughs)
1: Synopsis. uh, Here's the synopsis. In a hideout near the U.S.-Mexico border, an aging Logan, that's uh, Hugh Jackman, uh, cares for an alien Professor X. Uh, That's Patrick Stewart. However, uh, their uh, sheltered existence comes to a sudden end when a young mutant girl played by daphne keen arrives and needs their uh, help to stay uh, uh safe uh james Manigold, or mangold sorry directed this film the third wolverine based uh spinoff of the x-men uh franchise and if you didn't know x uh, logan is in fact uh x-men i'm um wolverine himself i'm sorry i have a brain all right, so let's start off with you, Arpo. Will you be watching
4: this film? Oh, I kind of thought I telegraphed that a bit. Yes, I will be watching it. Let's hope, uh, let's hope that it hasn't been mangled by the director. Ha ha ha! <laughs> but um, I wanted to get the pun in before Olaf did. He always gets the pun in first. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <It's all right. laughs>
4: Oh, well, no, I, I I have been looking forward to this. I've seen the preview. My only surprise is that I it's not been released in three D, at least not around
2: here. Oh wow.
1: Okay. Alright, what about uh you Olaf?
2: Uh yeah, I I've seen the previews and stuff on it and I you know I I, I, I would actually pay to go see that, yes. I, I, I won't wait until it comes on to you know TV, yeah, it's like I would actually go to a theater and watch that one. I think it looks interesting, and uh, just really curious to see what it's about.
1: Okay. And what about you, uh,
0: Grayson? Um, uh, Elijah will see it. I definitely will not. What? Oh, really? No, nothing. I did not watch Wolverine. Did not want. Uh, it's like. Um, suffered through the first Avengers movies and sat there and said, hell no.
1: Well, Avengers has nothing to do with this.
0: And looked at Wolverine and it's like, you know what? Hugh Jackman, love you, dude. uh, Great. You're not a 5'2 Canadian guy. And I'm sure that he does a brilliant job as Wolverine and all of that. I I just... You know what? Again, subject does not interest me. It's like... You don't want to... It really doesn't. Wait a
1: minute. Wait a minute. This movie is about dementia. Don't you want to see Professor X with dementia? Yeah.
0: I am not a Marvel X-Men people.
1: (laughs) Well, I definitely want to see it. Uh, I may see it this weekend. I'm not sure. It looks like it's going to be pretty good. Actually, I didn't like the first two movies, but this one looks good. (laughs) This one looks... And the director is really good, too. So... Uh, I think he's gonna do it. I I just b- believe it's gonna be good. But then again, you know, I, I feel like i a, a, I'm a uh, abused uh, you know um, lover or something and going back, you know. But he's been kind of he's been hit and miss. You know, he he did uh, he did the last Wolverine movie. I didn't love that one. Uh, mm-hmm. It wasn't terrible, but it was it wasn't the first one was garbage and he didn't do that one. But he also did Three Ten to Yuma, the remake, and Walk the Line, yeah, and that movie Identity as well, which was a good one. So you know, he's a good. Girl Interrupted, Copland, you know, he's he's been a he's pretty good, pretty good director. Yeah. So
4: he he is a pretty good director, and you know, I agree with you. The second well, the second Wolverine movie wasn't great, but it was so much better than the first one that I actually found myself enjoying it very much.
1: Yeah, it was. It wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't like the first one was garbage. This yes.
4: One, yeah. This,
1: this, this, uh, the second one was way better. So with all that said, uh, those are the movies that are coming out this weekend. Uh, tell us what you, what you guys want to uh, go see. I right, turn it back over to Grayson so we can say bye bye.
0: Well, also before we say uh, goodbye, um, yeah, I wanted to also make mention of that article that you also had found just before this regarding Netflix and reality TV uh, and their love for wanting to all of a sudden join the reality TV cycle. No! Okay, go ahead. Yeah, exactly. Would would you like to pay nine ninety nine a month for uh, for your Netflix to Be able to have the opportunity to see the next Bachelor?
4: Absolutely not. But the sad thing is, people will watch it.
0: You know what? Then leave it on the cable channels. That was the whole idea between Netflix and all of that, so that you actually have independent quality things that are coming up. Uh, Didn't know that they wanted to get into schlock.
4: Hey, they can get it into all the schlock they want. I'll just keep watching uh, reruns of House.
0: There you go. But it's like, no, that that's what killed MTV. It's like, that's what killed a lot of stations. It's like MTV now is unwatchable. What started off I as know. a lovely station of music videos and uh, some quality programming. It's like, you know, Liquid TV, all of those things. It's, like, turned into, as soon as it, they discovered that this whole reality TV thing turned completely away from what their purpose was. I and know. Remember when
4: it was all about the music?
0: Yes. MTV now stands for Meaningless Television.
4: <laughs> Do you we realize that we now have a generation of people who don't know that MTV started with nothing but music videos
0: yes that's very scary and now Netflix is going to start trying to get into that game it's like I'm sorry but you know that is a bad idea and it's like please if you under it's like you know I'm not going to get on a soapbox but it's one of those things of you may want to make them aware for all of the people who are sick of reality TV that it may not be the way to go. If you want, if you want to pay your nine ninety nine a month to continue to watch reality TV, I'm sure that there are stations that they built just for reality TV.
4: Like TV. I, I unplugged my cable from the wall because I was sick of reality TV. I, I, I'm like Gary Shandling when he hosted the Emmys. Gosh, this is probably 10 years ago now, uh, when he hosted the Emmys and said, you know, there's so much reality on TV anymore that I, I just flip from channel to channel. And every time I see a commercial, I stop and say, ooh, actors in a plot. <laughs> <laughs> They're
2: funny. Well, of course, you know, the reality of what Netflix is doing is they want the money.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, that's not really the way to do it because what we'll do is we'll lose subscribers like like ourselves. Um, I don't want to pay nine 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 a month for something that if I'm going to watch if there's going to be schlock on it, I can watch it on TV or watch you know have the you know the regular channels or like the specialty channels where they have the schlock on it. Well, I, I, I will.
4: I I will I will give this. I will give it this much. If it's as long as it's not going to be 100% schlock on Netflix, if they're doing it to get the money from the people making these shows so that they can keep my subscription down so that I can watch the shows I want to watch on Netflix, I'm okay with it. But if it's going to turn into all reality schlock, then yeah, I will be canceling my subscription. As far as I'm
0: concerned, if they put on reality schlock on there, I wouldn't want to have it because then it's like, then how do you differentiate yourself from regular television stations? The whole idea was original programming. Original programming doesn't mean reality TV. It means have original programming.
2: Probably Build your own Yeah, you know, Probably huh? what they're doing, probably what they're doing is the reasons they're even, cont- you know you know, uh toying with the idea of adding uh, you know, reality T V is they've been watching the numbers and there's there's a good number of people that watch the reality TV so they're just you know, they're just moving their business along to, you know, add that as something else that they will be. And there's like you said, unless they go completely all reality, which I don't see that happening. You know, they're just adding the reality TV so that they can make some more money, get more subscribers.
4: Of course, by the same token, I mean, they have a limited amount of streaming
2: that they're able to do, like like
4: anybody. Mm -hmm. And by adding the reality, it means they're going to have to take off some of the better quality program to make room in the streaming for it. And that is a bad
2: thing.
0: Yes. Right. So, yes, that, be, that being said, it's like a shout-out of hoping that Netflix understands and takes the notes from people in the industry that, um, really, we have enough reality TV stations. Uh, we don't really need another. It's like, yeah, it may look good in pictures, but as most fads do, it's like, um, the reality is that people want quality programming, hence why they... Have the 9.99 subscription, and as many people as they do, yeah. you start adding to it uh, something that they can already see on TV. It doesn't become special anymore.
4: Yeah, exactly. I mean, you go to we, uh, you go to Netflix. Like I said, I pulled the plug on the cable because there's too much reality TV as there is. Yeah. Yep. You know, it's plus like I'm trying th- to do, Yes. I'm trying to do a whole. I'm trying to do a whole disconnect from TV watching. It was taking up too much of my life.
0: Well, it's like so. what the 29th season or something like that of Dancing with the Stars. Does anybody know who's on it?
4: As as I said uh, about about 20 seasons ago, uh, that show became Dancing with the Vaguely Familiar.
0: Yes. Also, our defi- that will be part of a, uh, one of the things I would love to have our conversations on. What exactly is considered to be star power now in this day and age? Because we me. have a real, loose, broad definition of what star is. Me. There
2: <laughs>
0: We're stars. Star,
2: star power for me. <laughs> yep.
0: We drive the donuts. That's right. Yes. That's right. Okay, so uh, let's, uh, yes, you can have us in, uh, you can uh, catch uh, all of us from where, ARPO, uh, take it away, where can they find you social media-wise?
4: They can find me on Facebook, they can find me on the Movies Underground Forums, or the TMU Forums, as they're called, they can find me on Skype. Rich Posh Productions. But if you want me to be your if you want me to put you on there, make sure you mention that you've heard me on movie night because otherwise I get too many offers from Armenian girls who are looking for husbands. I don't know why. <laughs>
0: Excellent. And Olaf, how about you?
2: Well, you can stalk me on both Facebook and Twitter at Olaf Barbosa, but Just don't stalk too close, because I do get nervous, and I do have an itchy trigger finger.
0: And Kente, how do they get a hold of you? Uh,
1: You can find me at uh, KenteF on Twitter, and also you can go to our website, IndieRadio.org. Now, I do have an announcement about IndieRadio.org. Now, when you go to the website indie radio dot org it is now a twenty four hour uh radio station so there's music playing uh and a bunch Woo. of other things so uh and we're gonna be building up more content for the for for the uh station but um i've put out a right now a um a um, schedule uh i'm about to post it in in a in a few of what you can you know at what times what you can expect to see on there and uh, it's going to be changing, obviously, as we go along. But um, definitely check it out. A lot of good music, good content, and uh, we are looking for original content as always. So um, you know, um, uh, if you have some original music or you know or podcast that you may be interested in in uh, having on the uh, network please let us know uh you can you can uh, write at indie. i'm sorry you can i keep putting the ad on there uh it's indy showcase booking at com. that's indy showcase booking at com. we'll have it in the show notes uh you know and uh, we'll talk and put your maybe we'll have your content up awesome. yeah, and, you get, and
0: you can get me on goodness uh, no so you can get me on Facebook, Bizipedia, Netflix, uh, on um, LinkedIn, gosh, uh, so many places on, on the net, and like I say, if you can't find me, you're not stalking me hard enough. On Wednesday, we are potentially having Joan come aboard, and we'll also keep you posted on uh, the latest and greatest, and look on the website for all of the VisionCon information, as well as as it gets posted uh, all of the you know, wonderful things from VisionCon. Thank you guys, uh, each and every one of you, and Looking forward to talking with you on uh, the next Wednesday and Friday. All
2: right, peace. Thanks for listening.